This FT podcast is sponsored by BNP Paribas. At BNP Paribas, we detect and understand the changes that impact your business every day. This allows us to provide solutions that help you succeed. Together, let's turn changes into opportunity. Come visit us at cib.bnpparibas.com or follow the hashtag positive banking on social networks. BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Barney Jobson. Countries that signed up to the Paris Climate Accord are meeting in Poland to discuss how to implement it. The huge cost of putting the pledges into action will be a main topic of discussion. So how will the funds for investment be raised and how much has been allocated so far? Leslie Hook, FT Environment correspondent, puts these questions to Zoe Knight, head of HSBC's Centre for Sustainable Finance, and Alice Ross, editor of FT Wealth magazine. Zoe, set the scene for us. What's at stake in this year's talks? So sustainable finance is really important to the Polish agenda. There are three main things that need to get done in Poland this year. One is the rule book around the Paris Agreement. Two is a more increased focus on adaptation. But thirdly is the climate finance angle. Now, that's really important because one of the aims of the climate talks has been to blend and bring in more private finance into the space, which is why it's important for banks and other asset managers and institutions to be involved in the sustainable finance agenda. So climate finance is also one of the key items on this year's agenda as countries debate the pledge of $100 billion in annual funding from rich countries to poor countries to help with climate change. Where are the current discussions around this $100 billion target? Do you think that the world will get there? So $100 billion was a really important point throughout the talks and has been for a while. And it's because some countries need more help than others in terms of financial capacity to grow and to implement climate action. And the transparency of climate finance is an important trust builder in terms of whether or not countries are going to do what they said they would in terms of their plans. Now, where is the money going to come from is an issue that comes up every year. And we need both the public and the private sector to step up and provide some of those flows. Now, I believe there's some new numbers out from the OECD that show they've tallied the amount of money that's flowed from developed countries to developing countries to help with climate finance. And one of the pillars, of course, of the Paris Agreement, the big climate deal signed in 2015, was that there would be $100 billion in annual climate finance. How is the world doing in reaching that goal? The $100 billion guided the levels and thinking around finance. It's partially there. So at the time, the Green Climate Fund was set up for developed countries to be able to contribute into the mitigation and adaptation agenda set out by the Paris Agreement. But we're not doing enough. Broader forecasts and estimates think about numbers in the region of 90 trillion that needs to be mobilised over the next 15 That's to 20 trillion years. 90 trillion with yeah. a T, right? Yes. 90 to 100 trillion around infrastructure, building resilience for a two degree world and generally avoiding the carbon lock in that we see today. So the financing is important to enable countries that are on different stages of their development trajectory to be able to grow in a way that avoids trapping greenhouse gases in the energy system. 
And I just have the latest numbers here from the OECD. They've tallied up 56.7 billion dollars in climate finance in 2017. So it sounds like that's really just a sort of drop in the ocean of what's needed. It's certainly a start, but it's nowhere near where it needs to get to. One of the problems of climate finance in a UN framework is the definitions and understanding what green versus sustainable versus climate really means. We've seen a lot of work coming through on standardisation and taxonomy, and that's been driven outside of the UN framework as well. So, for instance, the EU is looking at this. But it means that it's difficult to agree on the exact projects that can be eligible for the the grant funding that has been put forward by the Green Climate Fund. That's why the private sector needs to get more active, and that's why the private sector is working in collaboration with policymakers, corporates, and others to really drive thinking around what sustainable finance really looks like. What I mean by that is we're looking at enabling a transition of our energy system to address climate change and that means looking at how industry works transport buildings and how those entities of finance going forward will be really important as to whether we can solve the climate problem so we expect Katowice to be really focused on the climate finance area Alice, tell me a bit about how the private sector is thinking about this. How have attitudes toward sustainable finance changed? It's definitely a really big issue in the private sector at the moment. They're not specifically looking at contributing money to these figures that we're talking about here, but everyone's very aware of, for example, the UN 17 Sustainable Development Goals that were set up. Not all of those are obviously in climate change, but some of them are definitely in climate change and other issues like poverty and famine and stuff like that. And it's a really hot topic at the moment. I would say, within private banks, within wealth managers, there are a lot of funds being launched in this area and there's a lot of awareness of it. The problem is that the awareness is higher than the actual amount of money that people are putting towards it at the moment. There was a study by UBS a couple of months ago and they were interviewing wealthy investors and they found that 65% believe it is highly important to help create a better planet. But only 39% say that they had sustainable investments already in their portfolio. So that's quite a big gap between intention and actually putting your money to work. Interestingly, there's quite a big difference as well between investors in different countries. So they were asking people from different countries how much they'd put towards sustainable investment. And the bar was low. It was 1% of your portfolio in something to do with sustainable investment. And the top country for that came out as China, where 60% of investors had at least 1% of their portfolio dedicated towards sustainable investment. The worst country was the US, which was only 12%, which is a little concerning. And the second worst was the UK at 20%, and everyone else was somewhere in between. So you can really see that there's a bit of a gap there, and I think that's something that the industry is going to have to address. Wow, those are quite striking figures. And Zoe, have you seen a similar gap between perhaps the values and ambitions of particularly high net worth individuals and then where their actual money is being invested? Well, yes, we also ran a survey around issuers. So we're also interested in the corporate issuance of securities, right, so that high net worth individuals and others can get involved in the market. And we found among issuers, there was a low level of disclosure and alignment with green initiatives. And similarly, on the investor side, a similar sort of picture whereby there's a lot of appetite, but 
investors are struggling at finding the specific projects and the specific investment ideas that they can align with their own principles, whether that's the SDGs, for instance, or whether it's purer climate mm-hmm. goals. SDGs being the Sustainable so- Development Goals, yeah. And so that goes back to what you are talking about earlier about this question of the definition. I mean, how do you think that discussion about what is sustainable is playing out, Alice? Yeah, it is a big issue also in the private sector, how to define all of these terms. In particular, one of the trendier terms recently is impact investment. We started with sort of negative screening where you don't invest in tobacco companies, for example, you don't invest in oil companies. And then we had positive screening where you're actively investing in companies that are trying to make a change. But that's hard to measure. So the new thing is impact investing where you're trying to invest in a company that says, for example, it's helping the environment. And you can also measure the exact impact that your money has or that the company is making. Now, that is the really tricky thing to do. And that's where there aren't any industry standard definitions. People are trying to work on it. And there have been a couple of things recently, I think, where people have tried to say this is the definition of an impact investment, but it's still not standardized. And I think for investors who are potentially committing a lot of money towards this space, they want to know that their money is going to the right place and that it's being used well. So I think it's going to be for the industry to explain it better. And if they can work that out, then they might stand a better chance of getting more money from this sector, which is largely untapped. There's a lot of wealth around and Mm -hmm. it could definitely be going more into this area. A really important point is that The role of the financial services sector is to be able to channel capital in the right direction so as to solve these externality issues like climate change, access to energy, water and poverty. And so far, there are some initiatives around that and there are some funds that are addressing the issues very well. But actually, the opportunity is in the mainstreaming point and this becomes mainstreamed by developing better metrics to measure impact, to work out how to create that toolkit that can allow investors to make their own choices around the sustainable development goals that they want to support. And this is a one of the crunch points in the climate talks is about this impact factor and demonstrating that what you're doing today is incrementally beneficial to what you would have done otherwise without the financing. So it's critical and the finance sector is working really hard to start providing the products and services. But it is complicated at the end of the day. We wouldn't be in this situation if we had clean growth and very clean energy systems. But nonetheless, the collaboration between policymakers, investors and corporates is really starting to make a change in how people think and behave. And whose job is it to sort out these questions of the definition of what is green? I mean, is that regulators, central banks? Is it banks themselves? Or is it up to investors to troll through all the footnotes in corporate filings? I mean, who's taking that responsibility? Well, I think a variety of players are taking the responsibility in different ways. So policymakers have started to mandate areas like stock market listings, where companies need to provide more data on their environmental, social and governance stance and strategy in order to be able to list on a certain exchange. At the climate talks themselves, several initiatives have sprung out. One in particular is the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, which has now put forward recommendations of how companies should disclose their strategy and material factors in relation to climate change. And that's been really important because it was from the Financial Stability Board. It was outside of the policymaking arena. 
But corporates are also taking the initiative by demonstrating how they are future-proofing themselves for a world that is different in the face of climate change. And that is important because they can provide the metrics and correct signposting for how resilient they are in the face of climate change. So going forward, what sort of signals is the financial sector looking for from this year's climate talks? We'd like to see more ambition because that will signal to us that we can be confident that sustainable finance will be on the agenda and that the climate issue is still taken seriously. One of the areas that the financial system is looking at is more on disclosure and what to do in sectors that are difficult to decarbonise. By that I mean the energy system is pervasive across all industry and all sectors, but some are higher energy users than others. So a report by the Energy Transition Commission showed that 30% of greenhouse gases come from cement, steel, shipping and aviation. And these sectors are really tricky in terms of what their decarbonisation pathway looks like. It would be helpful if the talks in setting the rule book, start to provide more guidance around country decarbonisation plans so that the financial system can map those thoughts into investment planning. On that note, we will no doubt all be watching closely to see what type of agreement, if any, is reached on climate finance this year as the talks unfold in Poland. That was Leslie Hook talking to Zoe Knight and Alice Ross. You can read more on this topic in the FT's special report on sustainable finance at ft.com sustainable. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our subscription offer at ft.com offer.